Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Rees is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Okay, welcome to another episode of the uh, Candidates Podcast. It's good to be back. It's If you've been listening in, we would encourage you uh, to give us some feedback either via the Facebook page or uh, send me an email at matt.reeve at aus.salvationarmy.org or you can uh, subscribe to the iTunes account. That'll uh, let us know um, who's listening in and what people are listening to. So I hope you're finding these episodes helpful. Now, today we have two very special guests, very special guests, uh, Captains Kim and Steve Howarth from the Wyndham City Corps. So uh, I've asked them to come and join us and uh, listen to a bit of their story. Kim, uh, well, both of you, firstly, welcome. Thank you. Thank you well, welcome Hi, to Matt. your place, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've actually just done a tour of uh, Wyndham Corps. Man, this this is like one of the best kept secrets Amen. in the Army. There's a shower block out the back. There are... The more storage facilities out the back than before. There's a garden, there's a reception centre, there's <laughs> yep. a dance floor. Yep. There's a playground. What else we got? We've got a walk-in freezer. A lovely walk-in rotunda. Freezer. Beautiful Oh, gardens. the rotunda. Yeah. Yes. Washing fountain. machine, dryer. Fountain. Swimming pool. We didn't show you the fountain. <laughs> the fountain. Yeah. A water feature. Yeah. Water yes. feature. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's get started. Let's um, – we, we, People are really interested in in you, obviously, and that's part of the process. That for people exploring ministry, um, they would want to hear uh, our stories. So, Kim, let, let's just start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you've come from, um, um, some of your story? Yeah, sure, I'd love to. Um, so, I didn't grow up in the church, Matt. Um, I grew up in a pretty average kind of middle class Australian family: mum, dad, two kids, dog, Commodore in the driveway, that kind of thing. Um, in the uh, northern suburbs of Melbourne. So, uh, yeah, really average kind of upbringing. Um, uh, uh, what else can I say? <laughs> Sorry. Did you go to church? No, no, not at all. We didn't. Um, you know, we had heathen. The, yes, that's right. We had the regular thing. You know, mum and dad got us done. We got baptised <laughs> when we were babies and um, we did go to a Church of England school, but um, so that was a grammar school. Um, so we were sort of um, had a bit of you know, um, church education, I suppose, in that sense. There was a once a term church service that we got to go to and uh, religious education was part of the curriculum and stuff like that. But yeah, so I kind of always felt that God was real, um, but I certainly didn't have um, a relationship with Jesus. When you finished school, what did you do work-wise? Yeah, when I finished school, I uh, became a personal assistant and um, worked for 18 months and then travelled, spent a year living in Europe um, on a working holiday and um, with this guy over here and um, and then came back and, and yeah, we just decided to get married and, and set up our life as a, an average Australian couple, I suppose, in the just, suburbs. Just decided. <laughs> just decided, yeah. Probably thought, a bit. Why run, not? Out, run out of options. So. Yeah, that's right. It Steve, was like, what are you doing? Okay, let's get married. This is as good as okay. it's going to get, okay, so here good. we go. Um, so, yeah, so we set up our life in Moorlbark. Stephen was from Mount Evelyn. I was from McLeod. We sort of decided we'd live somewhere in the middle and ended up in Moorlbark, not quite the middle but uh, and that's where we started our family and um, uh, did you want to know how I came to be part of the Salvos? No, not yet. Oh, sorry. We'll get to okay. that. What about you, Steve? Tell us a little bit about your story. Well, I came I came to Australia as a refugee from England. <laughs> 
Well, maybe 10 pounds? No, we were actually very expensive poms. We were like £125 for the whole family. So we are more upmarket poms really, yeah. Yeah, but I was 12 years of age. In, but in England we did have a um, – I did have a um, sort of a church upbringing. I, I went to a Church of England school, but I, I didn't really think much of it. When I was at the school, it was just school. You know, you did your maths, your English, and there was just church stuff, but it didn't really register what it was, actually was. We'd – uh, it was an Anglican school and we'd, we'd go down to the church service uh, once a week and you'd have your psalms and your songs and uh, a reading from the gospel but it didn't really mean anything. But it's, you know, in hindsight, looking back, it was actually probably foundational to um, to what I know now or what I coming into faith, the Salvation Army. But I came to Australia with my mum and dad, two brothers, one younger, one older, and uh, left school in year 11, uh, started work as a nurseryman. Um, did that for about three years, um, then went to another nursery as a driver, like a salesman driver, ended up um, – and, and I wanted to be a, a coach driver. And uh, for all you Australians out there, it's a coach driver. Okay, that's my – Or a bus. Or a bus. <laughs> a bus. Yeah, a, po- but, uh, a posh bus. Yeah, so I got my right. I got my heavy goods license and ended up working for a rubbish company. Okay, um, driving trucks for them, which I I enjoyed. That it was really good. But uh, then Kim and I went to England um, for twelve months. Came back from England, went uh, got a job as a storeman in a carpet warehouse. Ended up going back to my rubbish job because the money was better and enjoyed that. But then I got a job. Uh, a friend of mine wanted to know if I wanted to come work with him as a carpet layer, trying to be a carpet layer. So I did that for sixteen years. So I spent. Well, you trained to be a carpet layer for sixteen years, or yeah, you? I wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> a sixteen-year apprenticeship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. and you have three kids. We yeah. do. Three yeah. adult. Well, one's yeah. twenty-three, one's about to be twenty, and one's about to turn eighteen. Okay, so nearly three adults. Yeah. Kim, you alluded to before about how you came to the Salvation Army. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, I said already I haven't didn't grow up in a um, in a church family, but I, I did always feel a, a sense of a, a drawing to towards God. And so um, I would have actually said that I was a Christian, but I didn't really have an understanding of a relationship at all with God. But I certainly would have uh, articulated that I believed in God and, and I would have called myself a Christian. So when we got married, it was important for me that we were married in a church um, and so we sort of picked the prettiest one and, and went from there. Uh, when our children were born, again, I wanted them to be done as I had been. I wanted them to be baptised and um, and so, we again, we picked just a local nice-looking church in our area and we had our kids baptised there. And then when our eldest son was um, at kindergarten, for whatever reason, I now know that that would be the work of the Holy Spirit, I believe, um, I had a real sense that I wanted him to learn about God. And so we started looking at private schools and stuff um, that had a Christian curriculum, but realised with three children that we probably couldn't afford to send three kids to an expensive private school. And during this time, um, I was on the kinder committee. Um, I was the assistant treasurer and the treasurer was Captain Bram Cassidy. And he had actually told the Maroolbark Corps that he was joining the committee as his way of being out in the community um, as a dad, not really known as a a salvo, if you like. Was was he the treasurer? He was the treasurer. There we go. Yes. I knew that. 
<laughs> I knew that would be the case, yep. yep. He okay. was a treasurer. And so we had, um, you know, obviously got to know each other on the committee. And then also our two, his, their youngest son, Reese, and our eldest son, Jaden, had become really good mates at kinder. And so uh, we started to form a friendship with Bram and Jean and through our kids. And so I happened to voice to Bram one day that I was looking at schools for Jaden because I was quite keen on him having a Christian education. And Bram said to me, you know, we actually have a Sunday school at the Salvation Army. You should bring him along. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh, gee, I don't really want to go to church. <laughs> um, I was hoping the school would do that for me. And uh, anyway, they started praying for us. And long story short, um, after seven months, I finally um, went to church one Sunday and had an incredible encounter with Jesus. On, on that very first on Sunday? On that very first day. Wow. After we sang the first two songs, actually. That was it. That was it. I was a goner. <laughs> so you got Bramweld 101. I got Bramweld 101. That's yeah. right. And then my mission became, of course, really quickly for Stephen to to know what I had just experienced, which was this so, incredible awakening. So, Kim, so you weren't at church? You no, stayed at home? No. Okay. Yeah. stayed at home. Yeah. No judgment. I'm just asking. Um <laughs> Kim comes home from church. What What are you doing? What did Did you say anything that day? Oh yeah, like yeah. I was, you know, like. Uh, what What was your reaction? Oh, this nutter came back in. Back in, I was a bit excited. Her mum and dad were coming over for dinner, and uh, Kim was saying, "Oh, they're going to be all right if I went back to church tonight." I said, "No, nah, I don't think so. Your mum and dad are here for dinner. I think it's pretty important that because it's your mum and dad, you actually stay home for dinner." Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then. What, you prayed for Steve? Yeah, so, well, I got Bram to come around and give him the talk, you know, oh. so which he did. And, uh, Bramwell, 102. Bramwell, 102. Yeah, and uh, he, gave a, he gave a lovely presentation of the gospel. and uh, two-hour presentation. Two-hour presentation <laughs> of the gospel over coffee. That was and, shorter than I thought it would have been. Yeah. Stephen was, you know, I can still remember Stephen standing at our front door and shaking Bram's hand and saying, you know, Bram, um, thanks so much, mate. I really appreciate that, but you, it's just not for me. <laughs> Okay. The fact that you are now a Salvation Army officer, (laughs) something obviously at some point it was for you. Yeah. um, Kim was trying to get me to come to church and I didn't really want to go because it's just my experience of it, even when we got the kids christened, going to church, it was all very daggy and just not for me. But Kim said, come to music in the park. The Mural Work Salvals, they were doing music in the park. They do it for the, uh, I think, the first four weekends of um, January going into the community and Kim said, oh, look, come come to one of them. So I, I did and I actually loved it. It was great. Um, you know, I loved the music, loved the people. Like the music was a big thing too and the people were really, really genuine, which is, was not my experience at some of the other churches that I'd been to. You know, there just, just wasn't a genuineness there. And Kim said, oh, would you come to church on Sunday? I said, oh, look, I'll come, but I'm not coming with you every week. But I did. I went once and I continued to go. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, mm. it's a... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it was a, a genuine warmth. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, the, when I mean, we knew Bram and Jean and Nolan for quite a while, but nobody knew us when I walked through that front door. Yeah, and um, two beautiful people, George and Yvonne Lovick. Um, George is down at Rollsbud now. Sadly, Yvonne's passed away, but they greeted us at the front door, and and you could actually there was a real genuineness. They cared about who you were, and you actually really felt welcomed. You weren't on this production line at the door. Come in, good to see you. Come in, good to see you. Wasn't like that. It was very warm, very genuine. Okay, so what what happened then? So that you obviously you had an experience yourselves. Um, and then at some point somehow, I'm assuming you're still serving on the committee somewhere, um, yeah. 
you get involved in the life of the church at Murrabark, um, yeah. then you become officers. Like yeah. I, we, we probably will scoot over this quickly, but yeah. what happened? So, um, so I obviously Stephen's alluded to the fact that I was a bit of a nutter. Thank you for that, honey. Um, but I, I, my, my zeal. We call it zeal. Yes, zeal. That's my right. She was very zealous was, for God. My yes. experience was so radical that I, I just became really on fire for God, and so. Um, you know, w- w- that for the rest of that year really was just a, a, a an incredible, um, I suppose, fast track experience of what it means to follow Jesus and what that's all about. And I had great discipleship. I was so blessed with Bram and Jean and the crew at Moralbark. They discipled me very well. And they also gave me opportunities to serve, which was amazing. So within 12 months, I was given charge of a, um, a, um, a small group. I was also asked to be on the leadership team um, to look after evangelism. And I had begun to study and I first did external studies through um, what was then the external studies department that was located at Geelong at the conference centre down there. And it was Rhonda Burns, I think, at the time. And so I started studying and she encouraged me to do a bachelor um, at a Bible college. So I started doing that the following year. So I did do a really fast track I suppose I caught up fairly quickly um, and uh, <clears throat> started running Alpha and Journeys and stuff at Moralbark and just were, were so immersed, I think, in in the life of that core. And, um, yeah, so had no intention of leaving. Actually had no intention of becoming a soldier, to be honest. Okay, um, but you did, obviously. Yes, because God really got on my case about that and um, wouldn't leave me alone, really. I just felt really nagged about it. <laughs> okay. Um, so became a soldier and then... It was four years later when I really felt in my spirit that God called me to be an officer and I couldn't really see it happening and I didn't want it to happen because I loved Moralbark. We were serving faithfully. We were very enmeshed in the community. Um, We were seeing fruit for the ministry because we had such connections in the community. So we were seeing people come to faith and we were seeing this wonderful experience of relationship with, with folk because we were already there, you know. And, and so cemented. And so I never wanted to leave. How, how did the conversation go, Steve? Um, we're going to college. Do you remember that when you felt God call you to full-time ministry, whether it be in the, the local church or as a, as a vocation to say, oh, you're going to burn the plough, leave the something behind and enter into full-time ministry? Do you remember that vividly? Do you remember? I, I, I do, but it's probably better if you tell your bit. Yeah, okay. That's right. I was just trying to involve you yeah. in the conversation, that's right. But you just sit over there and well, drink your coffee. Well, I suppose what happened was I felt this really strong sense of call and I didn't want it. And so then I told Stephen thinking that he'd go, oh, that's crazy, Kim, you know, don't be ridiculous. But he actually said to me, well, I don't see it, Kim, but I tell you this, if God calls us, we will go. And if he, and I thought, gosh, well, I'm so glad he's not going to call you, Stephen, you know, because Stephen wasn't actually a soldier until the year that we got accepted. In fact, uh, story goes is that we actually went to candidates board before his enrolment. And then halfway through the interview, it was like, oh, are you not a senior soldier yet? Mm. It's like, well, you shouldn't really be here. Um, you know, uh, so that was kind of a bit funny. But, but fa- fast forward two years from that fourth year, in our, my journey with Jesus and there was a period of about six weeks where God really shook the ground for us and it was very clear that he was really creating that holy discontent and yeah. stirring things up so that we would come to a point of decision. Okay. Good. Just um, prior to that, we had a Bible study at our um, at our house which Kim was running and 
Tracy Davis, an officer, was there, and uh, and we were just came up in conversation about what what it means to be a Salvationist. And there's a new person in the Bible study and was just asking about the drinking thing, you know, which seems to be a big thing for people. And uh, and I just happened to mention, oh, I could give up drinking tomorrow; it wouldn't bother me. And Tracy was a bit shocked because she thought I was a soldier because I've been doing the Sunday school there for three years, looking after their kids, and she was a bit flabbergasted and. Uh, just said to me, oh, have you thought about becoming a soldier? I said, well, no one ever asked me. So, so I haven't thought about it. And she said, well, I'm, I'm asking you now. I said, oh, yeah, I'll go away and pray pray about it. And, and I'm actually a very practical person. And and I um, and I said, look, I'll, I'll go away and pray. And I just prayed about it. And then, oh, yeah, that makes sense to me because I'm very much, if it makes sense, well, yeah. You know, so I'm, you know, when you, know, you, you look at the heart monitor and you see the blip, well, I'm d- deadline and there's a blip every now and again. Yep. That's me. Okay. So, um, so I did become a soldier and, uh, and when I made the decision to become a soldier, um, Karen Castley was around, uh, another officer and, uh, and I was just saying to Karen, I said, look, you know, with this decision to become a soldier, just from what I've experienced with the Salvation Army, Kim has already felt called to be an officer and, and it, once again, made sense to me. If Kim's been called to be an officer, there's every chance at some stage God may call me to be an officer and I don't want to be ill-prepared for that. And I said to Karen, I'd like to do some study just because I don't want to go into college being a bit of a dunce. I'd like to have some knowledge. And then everything just seemed to snowball from there. Then it was like, thank you, God, and everything, just all the pennies started falling. Yeah, so I fought it pretty hard for those six weeks. It was a really bizarre time, actually. Stephen went from having six days work a week to about two days and we had all this time on our hands and, um, you know, uh, we were finishing renovations to our house. So we finally had some time to do that and, um, and, and, and it was like every conversation, everything I read, every person I spoke to, all of it was pointing towards making this decision about going to college. What what did your yes look like? Um, it was it was an agonising time, and um, so I'm ashamed to say that I I really did not want to leave. I was really stuck, and God really had to convict me uh, around the fact that even though I said that I was sold out for Jesus, I was actually holding a part of myself back because I wouldn't give over that control of my life, and He really got on my case again and it was it was quite a um, – it was an agonising few weeks actually. Um, and, and Karen and Clint Cassley were our officers at the time and um, they, they had some wisdom for us around putting out a fleece and really searching God around that. And, um, and so we did that and, and he spoke to us very powerfully through scripture and really confirmed all the fears that we had. And, uh, and that, that in itself is a quite a long story. It's an incredible story. I love to tell it. Um, you probably haven't got time to hear it now, but, um, but, but God really did make it so that um, there was really, if I ever really wanted to feel peace in my heart again, I knew I had to say yes. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> so if we could fast forward, we, you obviously went to college. You, yeah, you came the following out, year. Came out yeah. th- oh, okay, so it was yeah. quite quick. And then yeah. I really want to talk about what it's like being a Salvation Army officer for you, like having heard the call of God, yeah. um, having some reluctance, I suppose, in those early, oh, no, because I'm sort of happy to give 90% of myself, but this last piece, because a lot of people that listen to this are exploring ministry. They are sort of thinking, yeah, God has called me, but there's just so much I'm unaware. I don't know, maybe I I will later or, you know, things just aren't right at the moment. What would you say to them? 
Because um, because you've been through you've both been through this. Yeah. You know, you you're never going to know unless you actually just put your trust in God and take that step. And and that's the thing, isn't it? I could never have foreseen the the last 11 years. I could never have foreseen um, the experiences that we've had and the journey that we've taken, the wonderful privilege it is to be an officer. One of my fears was that we would be pulled out of our network and that um, I would be less effective um, as a follower of Jesus because having said that we had this great network in Moralbark where we knew people, I yeah. was able to, you know, um, really share my faith with people in a really meaningful way. I worried that being moved around as an officer would mean that I'd always go in as kind of the Holy Joe, you know, the one that had those red epaulets <laughs> on and yeah. uh, wouldn't have that same access to, to people and to be able to speak into their life. But but um, God but God has used you in those yeah places. absolutely so, so you, you you've, you've done ministry in Bansdale yes and here yes is it yeah that's right so we had seven years in Bansdale and yep. this is our we're nearly finishing our second year in at Wyndham City okay tell us what it's like being an officer at Wyndham like I I, I said at the start like I walked around the building so like unbelievable yeah like just all the stuff that goes on here and yeah. like the ministries and obviously lots of people impacted but what's it like. Yeah. As a spiritual leader yep. at Wyndham City. You know, I, we feel so blessed because we feel like even just in both our appointments that they've been very good fits for us so that um, the Army has positioned us in places where we feel that we're a naturally good fit and that's been wonderful. So um, the thing that we love about being at Wyndham is that it really does suit our personality. It suits our style. We're people people. Um, we always have been and, and not having had that church history or that um, salvationist upbringing, we, <clears throat> I suppose, in lots of ways don't have that traditional pedigree potentially. So there's a freedom in that for us. What family are you from sort of thing? Yeah, that, that's yeah. right. So we don't have that, you know. Yeah, that's um, good. So there's a freedom in that for us in that we, church is about what we feel God is calling us to in terms of a missional faith community. Yeah. Um, what we love about Wyndham is it's very open to that. And so really, you know, it's for us it's just about continuing to explore being relevant to our community, meeting needs of people and actually presenting Jesus in a way that that is relevant yeah. and has meaning for folk. Yeah. Steve, do you want to tell us a, a little bit about what a week looked like, what a week looks like here? Yeah, as Kim was saying before, like we're gifted very differently, but one of the things I always say is we're two halves that make a very good whole together. Um, so we work well together in that. But it's amazing, you know, what you think you're going to do during the week and what you end up doing. <laughs> <laughs> like um, at, at the moment I'm, I'm studying at Monash doing a Bachelor of Community Welfare and Counselling. So at the moment I'm sharing a lot of my time next door at our community support office but just the general role of an officer, that doesn't mean I get pulled backwards and forwards all the time. On a Tuesday we do a um, breakfast at a school so I'll go and help our youth and children's ministry assistant, Mary Filmer, to go and do that, come back and uh, and I'll do a community lunch so I'll be the head chef in the kitchen. So, you know, do you want to be an officer? Well, great, you're going to be a head chef in the kitchen. Not something I imagined, but there's an opportunity in that too. We've got a number of volunteers that come in and a lot of them don't know who the Salvation Army is. I think it's just a nice bunch of helpful people, not realising that it's actually a church, which for me is a common thing with people that don't know a lot about the Salvation Army. They still don't understand that we are a church. And um, so with those volunteers, I get to interact with them. Uh, when we do the meal, we get to interact with clients that come in as well. Um 
But it's such a varied, varied week too. Uh, you, I think you set out going in one direction and you quite yeah. often get pulled in another. You know, something will happen. Uh, you'll end up going to a meeting somewhere. Someone will become unwell. Someone will uh, need your time or they'll just walk in. Uh, whether it's, yeah, yeah, sorry. And you're yeah. both very relational. Like yeah. we were just downstairs before and everyone chats to you and mm. you chat to them and ask yeah. them. they're asking you 100 questions and <laughs> yeah. they know you and you know them and yeah. that sort of stuff. So... In a, in a place like this, you know, in lots of people there. How do you how do you look after yourselves? I think that's another question that comes up a bit for people in ministry. Like you, you need to look after yourself as well. Yeah. How, how do you do that? I mean, obviously you give so much of yourself, mm. but at some point you have to retreat. Um, how do you do that? I think we're quite different, aren't we, Steve-O? Because I, I am um, – I find this work so energising. It is exhausting, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there is <laughs> yes. that downtime where you need to step away and take a bit of time for yourself. But I actually don't have any hobbies as such. Um, I love what I do. This is my life. And um, I know that sounds a bit clichéd, but, you know, that is the truth. Um, but downtime for me, looking after myself – is ensuring that I do have that set-apart time with God, going and sitting on a hill somewhere, mm. looking at a pretty view, just taking a bit of time out with God regularly. Um, also, you know, for me it might be watching a movie or reading a book or just doing something that doesn't necessarily yeah. relate to ministry, you know. Yep. But, you know, ministry is about doing life with people. Real ministry is about doing life. So I don't know. I, I struggle sometimes with these kind of questions because I think, um, you know, I think we have to be careful not to um, have like our ministry life and our other life because it isn't like that. Like a normal in a normal job, I think you can do that. You can mm. go to a job and have that and then you can have a, a life that's very devoid of that or very separate. But actually ministry is doing life with people and so this is life, all of it. It's all encompassing and yep. I think we need to be so integrated that we don't. The lines are blurred. Um, yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. Okay. What, what about you, Steve? Um, for, as, as Kim said, and uh, Kim will agree with this, I think too, is I don't think either of us have ever woken up in the morning and gone, you know, I don't want to go to work today. Yeah. True. You know, it's not work. I'm, you know, work's probably not the right word. You know, it's mini- I don't want to do ministry today. We've ne- we've never had that. But I think in terms of downtime, um, just to regain some energy. I like photography, so I'll just get out of my camera and I can just get lost somewhere for a couple of hours and mm. just taking pictures. So it's uh, that's energising. But it's but you do get energised um, around the people. Like we we had a dinner here last night for 120 people, and you just flat stick from like we did the morning service, and then we were just flat stick from lunchtime till about 10:30. But the, the, even though you're tired, there's a certain energy because you're around the people and like and seeing your people here and putting their hand up because they want to be involved. They want to get involved in the ministry and just seeing some amazing people in in, in your church setting. That it wasn't so good. It wasn't just a dinner. It was no, a rock and roll dance. Yes. It was a rock and roll dance. If you don't mind. We yeah. tear up the dance floor because we have a dance floor here. I We're know. Very privileged. I know. And I did sing it's a couple of songs. <laughs> oh, oh so we'd like to apologise to those. Yeah. <laughs> the room stayed full. It's okay. Um, what What about the bad days? Do you have bad days? Oh, no, not bad days. That's not right. Do you have like, on the challenging days? Yeah. You know, it's because it's not all roses. No. It's not and all easy. You don't always get what you want. But no. how, do, how do you... And there's different kind of bad, Matt. Yeah. You know, like there's the, there's the bad where you sit with someone in a really challenging situation and your heart goes out to them and, and that's bad in the sense that you, yeah. your empathy is with them and you feel their pain. Um, there's the other kind of bad where 
you know, you have to deal with a difficult situation, especially as an, you know, we've got 11 staff here. So sometimes there'll be employee, you know, uh, HR issues that need dealing with. That's a different kind of situation. Yeah. A difficult conversation needs to happen or there's a challenge. Um, and then there's just frustration. Yeah, then there's frustration at, at you Stuff's know. Stuff's not working the way yeah. or not yeah, quick abs- enough or... Yeah, absolutely. The whole human nature thing yeah. or, you know, just um, around compliance or, or, or whatever, some oh. of the limitations of ministry or <laughs> shall we go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> no. um, so, you know, there's all that stuff to contend with. But at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, it's about remembering who you belong to and what you're doing this for. And so no matter what life you lead, you're, there's always going to be bad days. There's always going to be challenging times. And so yeah. I think just, you know, doing that check, I think, regularly about, wh- hang on, why am I doing this? Um, remembering your calling, uh, remembering your love for Jesus and your love for people, and I think that's what keeps you there. What about you, Steve? Um, you know, we were talking earlier, like, off the microphone. Yep. Just, and you, you know, you mentioned response and... Um, you know, there's there's things that we have to respond to, and you know, and you know what the response needs to be. But you know, you're working from a pastoral sense quite often, and and that can that can have its own set of challenges because you're um, you're working with people that are quite broken sometimes, and it's how you go about dealing with that particular situation to to, to get a good outcome. Because at the end of the day, it's it's about the person, and you do have an understanding of where they've come through. Uh, what sorry, what they've gone through, where they've come from, that kind of thing, and it's trying to deal with that as well, because it's not like a um, your regular workplace too, in in a sense where if there's an HR issue in a business, well, this is the line, and if you cross the line, that's it. But it's very, very different, and I think people struggle with that sometimes about how we as officers, ministers, um, leaders pastoral care is for people, how you deal with the situation because some people might say, well, this is just a black and white issue but nothing is black and white in, in what we do and, um, you know, there are repercussions for everything that we do. So yeah. it's how you, resp- how you respond to what's going on around you that can make a big difference to your community. It's interesting because I, I think that a lot about, you know, we think about compliance and people and staff and mm-hmm. challenges like, with you know, just pastoral concerns that... All of those equally um, are bathed, bathed, it's a bit of a bizarre word, in prayer. Like it, it's, yeah. it's, I used to say, you know, in, in, in core ministry that, you know, when you have to deal with HR stuff, the same amount of prayer goes into that as, yeah. you know, other things. It's Absolutely. not just like, oh, this is the, the spiritual part and then there's these other parts. Yes, it's, right. it's actually all spiritual. Yes. It's all um, seeking God's wisdom yeah. in all that we do. Yeah. If, I, if, we, if you guys are still here in five years' time, yeah. Um, or ten, yeah. or ten, yeah. <coughs> twenty, whatever. <laughs> yeah. What what will it look like in five years' time? Oh, what what, what wow. are your dreams yeah. for to sort of impact um, this? So we're in Wyndham, which is actually like Werribee. Yeah, it's um, about five or six suburbs connected. In yeah. the local government area or, uh, is called Wyndham. So City. You, you guys have a vision for Wyndham. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is it? Oh, you know, like we're, we're officially we're adopting the national vision, and, and it sits obviously, really well. It sits obviously. very well <laughs> uh, with where we, you know, we okay. feel. Let, let me to rephrase be. the question: How sure. will you live out the national vision then? Yes, in Wyndham. Um, so for us, it's um, it's very much about making sure that everything that we do is meeting a legitimate need in our community, and that the way we express our faith, the way we express our salvationism, the way we express our community, um, is that we are uh, making sure that we actually 
keep our finger on the pulse in what's happening in our local community, making sure that we are addressing the needs of our community as much as we can um, in light of the work that we do. Uh, So we are so blessed here because this is such a – it's very much a sanctuary, this property, and it is seen that way. People come here. We have homeless people that come and they'll just sit for the day and have a coffee and share a meal with us. This this property, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, it used to be a a reception centre. Yeah, that's right. That's right, exactly. So, so, you know, I think – um, very much in in the in the Wyndham DNA is this idea that this place is a safe haven for people and and as a great place of community. So for us, it's just about ensuring that all the ministries and all the the stuff that we do from here and the outreach that we do into our community is actually meeting the need legitimately. Yeah, great. Yeah. But you, Steve, you got. I mean, obviously, you. I would agree with Kim. It bodes well. Yeah. That you do that. Uh, but. Is there, do you see other things? I mean, you guys, I'm not saying you guys operate at different levels. I'm not saying that at all. But, like, obviously there are, um, because of the relationships you make, you sort of see different needs. Do you see any different needs to what Kim sees? Um, just, you know, talking about the national vision, you know, the key word in there, like key words, with the love of Jesus. Yep. Um, I think that's very key for us here, like for everyone that walks through that door. Everyone that we deal with at our community support office, the people we meet up at the railway station with our bus, um, lot, yeah, the kiosk, all the even the Wyndham 1000, all the things that we're involved with, the key, the key thing is to do it with the love of Jesus. Everything that we do, um, you know, people will look at us and judge us accordingly by how we react and do do things. So if they see that with the love of Jesus... We, we notice the impact of that around us, the people that come in, the way they speak yeah. about this place, what a sanctuary it is, um, you know, thank you so much for caring, thanks for listening, yep. that kind of thing. And and as, as you mentioned earlier, uh, if you want to leave this place quickly, you sneak down the back staircase and, you know, with a sheet over your head and jump straight in the car because you never <laughs> leave this place quickly. No, <laughs> no you <laughs> don't. you'll always have a conversation with someone mm. and uh, you could be walking down the stairs and someone will walk in and uh, and and they'll want to have a conversation with you and where possible, because it's not always possible, we stop and have that conversation because you never know where the conversation is going to lead mm. and, yeah. and how important it is to that person. Because they trust you. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for us too, it's about in terms of our leadership and in terms of our our leadership team and uh, those who we lead with um, in this community, it's about us always asking ourselves those really hard questions, you know. What are we doing? Are, are we kidding ourselves on the impact that we're having in our community? Are we seeing fruit for what we're doing? So we're setting new goals for next year. One of our goals is that we're going to... Um, meaningfully engage 1% of all the people that we come in contact with throughout a year on a discipleship pathway, whatever that looks like. And so people might say 1%, that's crazy, that's so low, you know, but actually 1% is about 28 people. We've worked it out, we've crunched the numbers and that's without counting people more than once. We've been very specific about not just making up some ridiculous number that's not, you know, valid for us. And, um, and so for us, if, if, if we can say at the end of next year, 28 new people that were not connected to Wyndham City Salvation Army are now in some way, shape or form, whatever that looks like, uh, are meaningfully engaged on a regular basis and heading in a, you know, 
in a in a in a, a move towards a discipleship pathway or are on a discipleship pathway, um, then to us that that means that we're living yeah. out what God's calling us to do. That's great. I mean, discipleship is such an important part, and I think yeah. when in, in terms of ministry stuff that. Um, everything we do is helping people, like you said, Steve, you know, to draw people to him, yeah. to Jesus, and that they would mm-hmm. have that experience and that encounter yeah. that changes their lives and yep. changes the way that they view things and and it's sort of this whole multiplication thing. It just yeah. not duplication, not another one of them, another one of them, but they're God who calls people who are unique yeah. uh, with different sets of skills and abilities um, that, he, that the kingdom needs yeah, all of them. Absolutely, the, and we need to do it together, yeah, don't we? Yeah, like that's it's good. A, it's a team effort, eh? That's it's a true. team job. And, Very much so. And I think for us here, even at Wyndham, you know, we um, we wrestle constantly with this idea of uh, not trying not to become a settled down kind of um, church or club or that kind of thing, but understanding, you know, that we are all in this together, that we're all missioners, we're all responsible for, for you know, God needs all of us to live out the, the, the job of reconciling his creation to himself and that we all have a role to play, no matter whether we think our role um, is bigger or smaller than anybody else's. You know, the bottom line is God needs us to yeah. actually do, it, do our bit and he'll do the rest. Great. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think too, Matt, it's, in, it's important too in your officership when you're the ministry that you're doing is to not be afraid to, to stop something. If it's if it's not working, and um, an example of that, we were doing a breakfast club at, at a local school, and that's been gone for um, probably over a decade. But it's come to a point now where it's it's not really working. We had a, ch- a thing called chill zone that we had at the end of the school day, where we go down and spend some time with the kids. But it was we stopped it um, just over twelve months ago because the we we couldn't staff it properly, and a couple of our leaders that were there weren't really appropriate for that, and um, so made the decision to stop it and and we said to the school, we'd like to start this up again when we've got the right leaders for it. Well, this sort of dragged on for 12 months and they weren't really allowing us the opportunity to do that. So, um, and we're literally just cooking toast in the morning. We're not really having an impact in the school. So we, we made the decision and we thought it's probably time to shut this ministry down. Uh, we've got limited resources, limited time. I think we need to put our energy somewhere else. So we made the decision to stop that breakfast club the very next day Literally the next day, another school rang up and said, look, um, we've got kids coming to this school. Um, on the day that we do our breakfast club, they turn up. On the day that we don't, they don't come to school. We really need your help. Would you like to come and be involved? So uh, Mary and I went up there, had a good chat with them. They want us to be involved in the breakfast club, but they also want us to be involved after school. So God's really opened up a door there. Mm. But we had to shut the other door. Hard decision, you know, you're in a school of a 1,000 kids, but at the end of the day we thought anyone can cook toast. We, we don't need to be doing that. The scriptures tell us yeah. very clearly, see, I'm doing a new thing. Yeah. And yeah. you go, well, actually, no, I can't see it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. I, I believe in the new thing, but I yeah. cannot see it. And yeah. then it takes the courage to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thanks very much for chatting with me today. It's been nice. really helpful. Kim, I, you said some stuff at the start that I reckon a lot of people wrestle with. So yeah. um, uh, if you, if you want to follow up, uh, Kim, if you send me a, an email or jump on the Facebook page, I'll put you in touch with Kim because I think there's a lot of people who wrestle with the very things that you were yeah. you were talking about with, and with from your perspective. Up, uh, yeah, the just the giving up the, yeah. you know, some of yeah. that stuff. So, um, Steve, thanks very much. Thank um, you, All the best in your ministry here. We Thank look forward you. to seeing what, what happens. And now I'm an ambassador for Wyndham. So this, is, awesome. this has Good been great. Thanks, Good guys. Thank you. Mate. Bye. 
Thanks for joining us for more about officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore officership further, please speak to your local core officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?